Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Things can go wrong with family, right? Uh, things can sometimes just not work, you know? Things just, just be a mess sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? You just ever, ever have it all fall apart at like a family thing, right? Some, some people, like I love, maybe my, in my top three Christmas movies is Christmas Vacation, right? And when he has his meltdown, it is not clean, <laughs> But it is true, which is what makes it so funny. <laughs> it is Now, my wife hates that movie. Why? Because she doesn't, she doesn't want to think of the bad. She just wants it all good. What's funny is we both love, my number one favorite Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life. Okay? All right? Yeah. But what's funny, what's interesting about that movie is it all goes bad in that movie, too. It just ends better. Um, so things can just become a mess with family. You know what I mean? But, and, and Thanksgiving's coming up. And, well, here's, here's a good example of how it can go wrong at Thanksgiving. Let's, let's take a quick look at this. They must be in the South. So I think about two, two, three years ago, I started frying turkeys along with baking them. And uh, oh, man, I was so nervous that first time. And John Green is like the guy who coached me through it and has subsequently every year since. And uh, we'll, uh, you'll be on call again this year. Don't, don't worry. 
mainly because I'm just terrified. I only have so much hair left, you know? And what I have, I need to keep. So we've like rigged this system where it's like we get like a broom on both sides and the hook is down. We slowly lower it like together with my sons. It's worked out pretty good. No fires. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy. Uh, but man, it could just go south and with the best of intentions, right? Which is the best of intentions. It can go bad. And what's interesting, the Bible talks about this. The last few weeks we've talked about what is the family, what is God's design, and the why of the family. Today I want to talk a little bit about the how. How do we work with family? <laughs> right? Family is the best and the worst to work with. Right? Some of you have been in family businesses with family. And man, on your, on your best day, it's not so bad. And on your worst day, you know, you're lucky people are still alive. Right? Like, nope. It, it's amazing. And we're, the Bible's our foundation. But here's the problem. The Bible has no really examples of great families. They're all bad. <laughs> maybe, maybe Joseph and Mary with baby Jesus, but the problem is that once Jesus' brothers came along, it wasn't good anymore, right? And even later on, they're like, hey, your mother's here. And Jesus is like, who's my mother? My brother, my mother, my, mine is the kingdom. And like, it just blows up the whole thing. The Bible just, David, bad family, bad family stuff. He murdered people, got other women pregnant that weren't his wife, had numerous wives. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Like, what? What? How are you not dead <laughs> from so many different things? <laughs> you know, these, it's just Abraham, right? He leaves his family. And, and several times he says to leaders, oh, no, she's not my wife. She's my sister. Telling his wife, I know what I'm doing. Shh, be quiet. I know how to handle this. She's my sister. Because he's afraid, like, just over and over. The first family, the first ones, the brother killed the other brother. Which just feels like, how is this going to work out, Lord? <laughs> this is just not going well. This whole family thing doesn't seem like it's going the way it's supposed to. Okay, some of you have had times where you're like, I, I understand where Cain was coming from. <laughs> I'm married to an Abel, and I hate him. You know, well, there is one story, though, in the Old Testament that I think is really cool. It's one of the very rare family reconciliations in the whole Bible. And it's the story, it's the story of Jacob and Esau. But you need to understand the backstory first, because we're not reading the whole story. Jacob was the second son. And in their time, if you were the firstborn, you were the anointed one. You're the one who's going to inherit all the money. You're going to inherit the family business. The second son can be a part of it and stay in it, but it's not going to be the same. Your life is going to be different and subject to the older brother for the rest of your life. It's not like if you're the firstborn. And Jacob, on more than one occasion, tricks his brother out of blessing. So one time Esau comes home from hunting all day. Now, is Esau hunting just for himself? No. He hunts for the family. But he comes in famished, starving, and nobody's around but Jacob. Now Jacob is a little more of what we would call a mama's boy. And, and mama, mama's boy likes to stay home, you know. He likes to be on the internet, you know. He, uh, 
he, he knows what's coming out in the movies over the next six months, you know. Um, he's got several blog posts on things and his opinions thereof. He's got three podcasts. And what happens is Esau comes home and he's like, I am dying from all my work and hunting. I am dying. And Jacob's like, hey, man, I'll make you some food. And he's like, great, please. Just one thing, just trade me your birthright. And Esau is so, like, he, he, maybe he's shaking, maybe he's dehydrated, we don't know. But Esau's like, what is my birthright to me now? Give me soup. <laughs> and he trades his birthright for, like, a bowl of beans. There's a whole message in that. We're not doing that message today. Okay, f- further down, when Jacob's dad is dying, he tricks him again. And his, the best part is, he's the mama's boy. The mama's like, hey... You can get what belongs to Esau. Let's, let's trick your dad. And he tricks him because his dad has lost his sight. And, and what happens is he puts like goat hair on his arms. Like what kind of man did Esau look like and feel like that you put goat hair on your arms? And it's like, oh, that's my son. Like, man. And he was considered the man's man. Like, oh, I lived in the wrong time period. Um, and so... So anyway, he, he tricks him, and he switches the blessing. And the blessing goes on Jacob and doesn't go on Esau. Fast forward many years, and Jacob has had his life restored. And right before this moment, Jacob has a night where he knows he's going back to meet up with Esau, and he's terrified, and ends up wrestling all night with a being that he doesn't understand who he is or who it was, But that person was God himself. Jacob wrestled with God. And at the end of it, God breaks his hip and gives him a new name. And there's a whole other message in that. One of the main things you know is the best people of God walk with a limp. And that's good news. God gives you a limp. He might also give you a new name. And it's awesome. And so right after this is when he meets up with Esau In Genesis chapter 33, Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Then Esau looked at the women and children and asked, who are these people with you? These are the children God has graciously given to me, your servant, Jacob replied. Then the servant wives came forward with their children and bowed before him. Next came Leah with her children, and they bowed before him. Finally, Joseph and Rachel came forward, and they bowed before him. And what were all the flocks and herds I met as I came, Esau asked. Jacob replied, they're a gift, my lord, to ensure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob insisted, no, if I found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It's like seeing the face of God. Please take this gift I brought you, for God has been very gracious to me, and I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Well, Esau said, let's be going. I'll lead the way. But Jacob replied, you can see, my Lord, that some of the children are very young, and the flocks and herds have their young too. If they're driven too hard, even for a day, all the animals could die. Please, my Lord, go ahead of your servant. We'll follow slowly at a pace that's comfortable for the livestock and children, and I will meet you at Seir. All right, Esau said, but let me at least assign some of my men to guide you and protect you. Jacob responded, that's not necessary. It's not, it's enough you've received me warmly, my lord. 
So Esau turned around and started back to Seir, and the same day, Jacob, on the other hand, traveled on to Succoth. There he built himself a house and made shelters for his livestock. And that's why the place is named Succoth, which means shelters. God just broke Jacob. Jacob is terrified. And here's what happens in families. One of the things we always want to do in family for as much as we can is keep the bonds and the relationships. Keep them. Fight for them. And when you think they're lost, seek God's face because he can break you. He can do something in you. You're like, no, it's all them. They're the ones who need to change. Maybe. But you're the one who's talking to him. And you're the one who's seeking his face. And that's what happens to Jacob. God breaks him, and then God blesses him. You see, Jacob thought, this relationship is gone. This relationship is lost. He is going to kill me. You see what he did? He sent gifts before he ever got there. Like, here, here's some gifts. Please don't kill me. Esau's, and what did Esau do? He embraced his brother, and he kissed him. Man, I'm so glad you're here. It is so good to see you. That's the family of God. The family of God does that pretty well. But we need to apply the family of God to all people and even our families. How many of us see our family through the eyes of Jesus and what he did for us? Right? But when we stop wrestling God and surrender to God... All of our other relationships begin to be seen through that relationship. So many of you are wrestling through family stuff, and you're not looking through the eyes of Jesus. You're not seeing them as, uh, you know, they're lost, and they're, and, they're, and they're hurting, and they don't know the forgiveness of Jesus. They're, they're not walking with him. You're not seeing it that way. You're just seeing it as like, oh, man, my uncle is the worst. I hate him. Oh, man, he's so racist. And he may be. I don't know. If you're from my family, I got a few of those. Right? But that's not how we view them. You know, I have a family member who, who some people, I've watched some of my cousins diss on one of my uncles. Just, just, just put him down a lot. Because he's not politically correct. I don't know too many people over 50 who are politically correct. And all of us who are, I don't know about you, I'm getting kind of bored with it. I'm getting kind of tired of it. <laughs> and I'm starting to feel like it's not working. All right, so but I remember hearing these cousins, and, and specifically one person, just putting them down. And I remember just saying, you know, this person fought for our country and laid down his life. Yeah, but they say these sexist things. And I was like... You can't forgive them that for the things they did for you to be free? You can't overlook that? What's wrong with you? Like, grow up a little bit and realize this bond is worth keeping. Now, don't get me wrong. We don't, we don't, we're going to talk a little bit about boundaries and the relationships we keep, okay? But we're too quick to cut off relationships these days. We're too quick to be like, they're toxic, right? Now, no, can anybody specifically define toxic besides, I don't like what it makes me feel like? 
Like, that's not necessarily toxic. You just may not like it, right? We're so quick to judge somebody's forever. What we need to do is begin to believe God that he can change them at any given moment. If there's breath in their lungs, there is hope for their life. Period. God can do anything. Well, Pastor Brian, I believe God can do it. They won't let God. Okay, let's talk about that. I am not a Calvinist. You're like, what's that mean? Good for you. (laughs) I'm not an Armenian. Some of you, if you know what that means, you're like, wait a minute, what are you? I would say I am Calvinian. Let me explain. This is a quote from Matthew Henry. God has the hearts of all men in his hands and can turn them when and how he pleases. Do you believe God can change your family at any given time? Do you believe the human heart can resist God's grace? Now, we do have choice, and that's what the Armenian side says, right? The Calvinist side says you don't have a choice. If you're going to get saved, you're once saved, always saved, forever saved, super saved. Armenians, salvation's like a set of keys. You can lose it at any time. They're both wrong. They're both kind of bad theology. And it's amazing it's held on for as long as it has. But they're both right, too. See, nothing can snatch me out of God's righteous right hand. But I can willfully reject it. But he keeps coming after me. What we have to realize is, do you believe God can change your family? Yeah, but means you don't believe it. I'll say that again. Do you believe God can change your family? Yeah, Pastor Brian, but... No. Then you don't believe it. You don't believe God can change your family. And he can and he does because he holds our heart in, our, in his hands. He holds the will of the universe. Keep the bonds. Don't burn the bridges. Right? God can do anything at any time. So here's what I would say on the Calvinist, Armenian side. How do, what does this have to do with family? Because some of you have given up on family and people in your family or your marriage or your kids or your brother or your sister because you just can't take it or your parents because they're the worst or whatever, fill in the blank because you just can't stand them anymore and they're just so hurtful and they do so much stuff right, true. And, And they have chosen that right. We do have free will, but God has a divine will. God can move in and out of free will at his will however he wants. Some people have made their theology off of Bruce Almighty where it's like a rule. Don't mess with free will. Can't do that. That's a movie where Morgan Freeman plays God. And then Jim Carrey gets to for a little bit. It's a good movie. It's terrible theology. Okay? Some people have made a theology of, if you grew up like on the Pentecostal charismatic side, run to the altar every Sunday and and say you're never saved every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, maybe a few times a week, and you're, you're never saved. 
you might as well be Islamic because that's all about being 51% good too. No. It's, it's once and for all. It is finished. You accept it in, in, into your heart. You believed it and you still believe it. It's done. But you need to know that family member that you don't think is there or coming along. Or, there are times we've got to say, I've got to create a boundary here in a space. We're going to talk about that. But with most people, that is not the case. With most people. If you've got a list of, I've only, I've only set boundaries and, and cut out like 2,000 toxic people. That's too many. Okay? That's too many. All right? If you could, well, I've just not talked to my mom's entire side of the family for, you know, 17 years because they're toxic. Is that, is that, is that because you don't want to deal with them or is that because that's true? You see what I'm saying? Have you burned the bridge or created a boundary? And there's a big difference. Burning the bridge says we're done and you can't cross this anymore and you can't even come near it. You can't get across. Nothing gets across. That's not good. And it's almost never worth it. I've known people who they didn't want to invite their parents to their weddings. Like, never. Just don't ever do it. Don't do it. Now look, I understand every family's different. I'm not speaking to all of your families everywhere. I understand, like somebody, well, my mom tried to kill me with a knife. Well, that's probably a different conversation. Maybe they shouldn't be at your, they should probably be in jail. But God has a divine will that can intervene and step in to human, to the human condition at any point, at any time. The person you think is farthest from God can be wrecked by the presence of God at any time, anywhere. He totally, they totally can. There are Muslims across the globe who are sitting in, 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 in their mosque and before them, I mean, there's stories of it, before hundreds and thousands in Iran, Jesus shows up in the room, a physical representation of Jesus, and tells them, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and everybody in that room got saved. These are true stories. Now, we would say, no, that's not possible. Well, the, 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 well the, you know, I don't know if that happens still today. It happens. The stories are real. And, and that's a room full of people you would think, how will they ever get saved? Man, God can do anything. We sang it this morning, right? Unstoppable. God can do anything. Say, well, they're saved, but I don't like their politics. Keep pointing them back to Jesus. Point them back to Jesus. Right? Proverbs 17, 17. A friend is always loyal. A brother is born to help in time of need. You say, well, not my brother. It might be true. You be that brother, even if they're not. You be that person. You look like Jesus. You act like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. Because Jesus lives in you. Laugh together. Weep together. Play together. Guys, if, you, if your kids right now, across this room, if you're a parent, if your kids right now watch the relationship you have with your siblings, are they exemplifying with their siblings the things you are? Or do you want them to? It's tough. Now, sometimes we're not given a choice. I, brothers, they don't really want to be in my life all that much. That's not my choice. But they don't want to walk with Jesus. Well, one of them does. <laughs> one of them is not walking with Jesus. But I'm going to keep reaching out. I'm going to keep loving them. I'm going to keep opening up my home. 
I'm going to keep telling them how great they are. And you know what? I do have a relationship. And you know what? Sometimes, sometimes, not often, sometimes he'll listen to me talk about Jesus. Not often, but sometimes. Man, if that's all I get, I'll take it. Do you see what I'm saying? Some of us do that with our kids. Well, they're just hopeless. Man, you don't believe the gospel. You believe, the, you believe what your kid's done more than you believe about what Jesus has done. It's not true. I know a family, they are not here. Amazing family. We love them dearly. And they have a son that is just as broken as can be. Cliff, you know who I'm talking about. Lost. I mean lost. In and out of jail for awful things. God's not done with him. And I know that because he's still breathing. Simon's not over. We need to be those people with our families. This Thanksgiving, what if you went into Thursday with the people? Some of you are like, I love Thanksgiving. I love seeing everybody. Aunt Ruth is the best. Man, good for you. I am so glad. You may be the person somebody's not looking forward to seeing. But... (laughs) um, But, but some of us are like, oh, I don't want to see them. Change your heart. I encourage you, check your heart and say, no, like, God, let me see them through your eyes. That they're lost, that they're broken. Make, we've, we've told our kids this because Ted Gary, if you know, he taught us this. And he was an amazing dad. He said, teach your kids, make your siblings your best friends because they'll be with you the rest of your life. As much as you possibly can, make your siblings your best friends. Now, again, they don't always give us that choice. I understand. But as much as you can. I I watch the thing, youth from momentum here. And my brother's not walking with Jesus, but I stand here today because of when my brother did walk with Jesus. I ran to the altar because he did. It saved my life. I cannot tell you the times at a youth convention, and I, I count them on one hand, but there were times, just a few, where my brother and I at a youth convention went to the altar, said nothing, but wept together and held each other. Just wept before the Lord. I remember those moments so vividly, and God was in it. That wasn't an accident. That's from God, authored by God. And if you don't have it now, Lean into God to get it back and then some. Let's believe God to save our families. Here's a tip when it comes to families. You want to keep the bonds? Give money, never lend it. We have had that rule for years. We don't, with anybody, not just family, anybody. We do not lend money. But I'll give it to you. Do you know why? Because every time I see him now, Every time they see me, money comes up. Not because I bring it up, it's just there, isn't it? Right? We have a lot of people in our church who are super generous. And you know what I've noticed? They don't, they don't, they don't lend it either. They'll just give it. Because they know. They're good, blessed with money because they're good with money. And one of the ways you're good with money is you're generous and you give money. We don't lend it. We don't create people to be in our debt. The only people we want to be in debt to is Jesus and sometimes a mortgage company. Okay, so, all right, moving on. All right, 
Many people, just quick side note, many people, especially in their like 20s and 30s, you know what they start doing? They, pop psychology and the world we're living, we just criticize our parents and basically everything that's wrong in my life is because of my parents. I literally saw a girl this week, I guess it went viral on TikTok, but this girl who got up and said basically like, I hope my dad burns in hell and I hate him and he's the worst and a racist and a xenophobe and a homophobe, blah, 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 blah. Her dad was a multi-billionaire who paid for her to go to one of the best schools in the country and one of the best colleges. Now, I don't know what he was like as a father. Well, what does that tell you? She is lost. Now, it doesn't mean he wasn't those things. Maybe he was. But he was obviously somewhat of a decent father to you in some ways. Maybe not in all the ways. But we have to find the good. You know, I have a brother and sister-in-law who aren't walking with Jesus, but they're not jerks. They're kind to me. We disagreed on things on COVID. You know what they didn't do? They didn't cuss. When we got together at Christmas during COVID, they didn't call us up and cuss us out and say what's wrong with us and call us murderers. They just said, hey, we're not going to do it. And we're like, okay, cool, understand. You know what that is? It's not burning the bridge. Some of us did that with COVID. We burned bridges with some people. Now look, some people burn bridges with us. Anybody can raise their hand? Don't point. Okay, right? But somebody burned the bridge with you because COVID, right? You didn't get seven jabs. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Probably not as much as wrong with you at this point. But, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. In that moment, like in all of those things, in all those things, like I don't want to cut you off. And you know what? I think most people are coming around like, Maybe, maybe that didn't save my life. Maybe that isn't salvation. And for those that aren't, I mean, at some point they're going to have to. They're going to have to chill out at some You can only be mad so long. Most people, right? I mean, bitterness can take root. We can stay bitter for a long time. But that raging bitterness, right? We had a summer where they burned the country down until they didn't. Why? Because two things. You can only stay mad so long, and it's cold out. Like, nobody wants to riot like this. You know, maybe in Florida, but they don't let you there. So, um, if you can, if you're in your 20s and 30s and blaming your siblings, your parents, and saying what's wrong with them, look, you got to go through the season where you figure out some of the brokenness that was handed down and wrestle through it and realize, all right, but don't cut off your parents. Just don't, I mean, with everything you possibly can, never do it. Because most likely, most parents did the best they could. And the ones that couldn't, didn't do the best they could. We talked about that in another message. Go listen to that. I'm not unpacking that again. All right. <laughs> so verses 8 through 10, he tries to offer him a gift, and he says no. And he says, please, let me take this gift. Let me bless you. What, what, what Jacob's trying to do in this moment but what Esau's also doing is building and restoring. He's saying, take this gift. Esau, I, I screwed you over. I robbed you. I took your life away. And Jacob's trying to say, I'm so sorry. Now notice, on this side of the cross, we can never pay back the Lord, but we give him our life anyway. 
because he's worthy of it. And for those who are in our families who are so broken and messed up, you know, what if we made even just something small wrong and we just did our best to make it right? Some of you are like, you don't understand, though. I'm the one who's right. You don't get it, Pastor Brian. Right, okay. You might be. I don't know. I don't know your dynamics. I don't know your family. I don't know what happened with your brothers or your sisters or in-laws or whatever. I don't know. What I do know, here's a good question. Would you rather be right or would you rather be restored? How many of us are just holding so much onto our principles and say, well, we're talking about truth and lies here. I'm not saying don't acknowledge their sin or be aware of it. I'm not saying ignore it. But maybe they acknowledge even more so that they're a sinner in need of a savior if they're far from God. Or maybe also acknowledge you and I are also sinners and we need just as much mercy and grace as they do. How many of us walk around like, okay, there's that verse about a plank in our eye. This is, a, this is not a plank, it's a present, but close enough, right? And we're just walking around like, look what's wrong with you. Look what's wrong with you. Look, everybody's like, dude, look at you. We're doing it all the time. I cannot tell you how often we get so religious about so many things, and we're not trying to build relationships and restore one another. Do we have redemptive communication? Now, what's tough is some of you think, well, this is not, you know, uh, this is my situation's different, Pastor Brian, and let me tell you why. You probably do, but you need to understand something. Jacob was almost hated by his father. This is not a time where they had James Dobson books and like feel good and Facebook groups about being gentle parenting. This was not that time. I just heard about this the other day. My wife told me this, and I was like, all right, for real? Like, gentle parenting. When kids are running across the street, and they're like, be gentle. No! <laughs> anyway, side, that's, let's get back on track. Okay, so, like, this is not that time. Back then, they had favorites. The favorites were usually the firstborn. It was almost always the sons. And the son that was the firstborn that was good at hunting and good at providing and strong physically, that's the favorite son. Jacob was reconciling with the guy who represents the father that rejected him. Because Jacob has been broken by God. And he no longer sees Esau as my dad's legacy who also hates me. He sees it as, that's a brother I need relationship with. And Esau sees the same. Man. Man, when my brother walks in the door this year, I'm going to squeeze him hard. Because <laughs> I need to. I need to know he's loved by me. We, we all, guys, family's tough. Because we know the best and the worst about each other. And we're better at seeing the worst. We accept each other most of the time still. But we know, right? 
So many of us are not in relationship right now based on things that happened in the last two years. Do everything on your end to let that not be in, in your life at all. You say, well, they vote wrong, they believe wrong, they think wrong. They, yeah. They need more of Jesus in their life. And they might need more of Jesus in you. They might need the Jesus you have. You know, great marriages and great families need two things, and everything else can be figured out from there. And that's Jesus and forgiveness. Restoration is not forgiveness. Forgiveness is saying, I release you from judgment and anger and pain in my life. And from that you impact, I release you from it, whether they know it or not. Matter of fact, it's really good policy to not go to a person who has hurt you and never have a conversation with them, but walk up to them and be like, hey, I forgive you. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Just you before the Lord and say, Lord, I forgive them. I release them to you. I'm done talking bad about them. I'm done thinking bad about them. I just, I've grown weary and tired of it. And then just do your best to have a relationship with them. Build and restore. Let's be people who are builders and restorers of relationships. Why? Because at the worst time in your life, family can be there. Right? If I need to go to the airport, there's nobody better to ask than my dad. He's the best airport driver on the planet. <laughs> you really, there's not a lot of people who are like, oh, you have a red-eye flight? Happy to do it. But he is. Why? Because he's my dad. You know what I mean? That, that's, that's what family is. And that's God's design. You be there for them. You know, a month or two ago, something like that, Ejector pump went out, flooded, and he called, said, I need help. And go help. <laughs> that's what I did. Like, that's what we do. You know, and for anybody who's like, well, that's not my family. That's God's family. This week, Alan went to the hospital. I'm going to brag on him. I'm sorry, but it's coming. <laughs> and somewhere Monday, Tuesday, Marty took the day or the half day, something like that, off work, went over to Alan's house. And just put some shingles on his roof. And something else, right? Too? Clean the gutters. Man, that's a brother. And that's a man of God. And Marty's probably super mad I even said that in public. But that's an example of what a man of God looks like, what a brother looks like, and what family looks like. That's amazing. And we should all be such... That's who we are. Come on. Like, that's the people of God. That's what the family of God looks like. And that's what we should look like to our families. That should be us. Accept, build, and restore. You want to restore, accept their differences. Some things that may just be different about them, just accept them. Accept their differences. They're not like you. It's okay. We only need one of you. That's, God said so, right? And vice versa. If they're like, I'm a talker, they're not, accept that. You know, one of the things I am, like I'm pretty relational. I reach out and connect with a lot of people. I make a lot of phone calls, 
lot of texts, and not just in our church, but beyond. Like, that's who I want to be. It's what I want to do. You know what I found? Most men, not that way. <laughs> Most men don't. I'll call me and ask me how I'm feeling and what I'm doing. Matter of fact, no men do. <laughs> Pretty much none. I think I have one friend who does that, who lives in another state. Like, no other friends do that with me. And it hurts me a little bit because I am relational. I'd like a few more people to be like, how are you? Without an agenda or without wanting to put me on the, put me on the judgment seat. Just how are you? But I can also say, but that's not who they are. And that's okay. I'm not going to burn the bridge just because they're not that way. All right. Last thing, though, is verses 12 to 16, boundaries and restraint. All right, I'm going to try and get through this quick. Esau basically says, come with me. You know what Jacob says? I appreciate that. <laughs> However, why don't I hang back? All right, why don't you come live with me? Why don't you go over there, and I'm going to come over here. Okay. Boundaries and restraints in the right relationships, too. We can be as much like Jesus as we can to as many people as we can, and especially in our family and God's people. But we cannot be all things and all of Jesus to them. And vice versa. They cannot be all the things to us. Because nobody can but Jesus. And you, you're going to keep discovering that in life over and over and over. If you're like, oh, well, my sexual identity, I'm going to tell you, you're going to find out it's not enough. Only Jesus is enough. Well, if we just got this person into office, you're going to find out, I think you just did, it's not enough. It's never enough. Well, if I just make this much money, it's never enough. Boundaries and restraint start with making Jesus my everything and everybody else within what they're capable of being in our lives. So, what we do is we begin to accept that you are different. Accept they are different. They're not like you. Not just differences. They're not made like you. And if you can accept that, you can also know they can only come so far. And there is a line where you say you can't come any closer. Really, the people you get the closest to in your life or your family, and then most of all, Jesus, and then right after that, your spouse. Your spouse is number one outside of Jesus. They can know just about everything about you, and they do. They will see every part of you, literally, okay? That's normal, right? But we don't do that with everybody, because that's not normal. That's a boundary we need, right? That's restraint, amen. Yeah, if you're doing that on TikTok, stop it, okay? You won't agree on everything with your immediate family. But, but, but look, put them first, except like, man, let's just, let's just put it out there. Some of you have people who are just so political and they are, you're just like, I don't even know how to talk to them. I would encourage you, don't talk to them about politics. And it's not, it's not because they're wrong and you're right or they're, they're right and you're wrong. It's not because they're smarter or you're smarter. 
It's because maybe that's where their heart is hard, but they need Jesus. They're making an idol in their life of politics, and they need to stop. They need Jesus to be their everything. So you begin to set up boundaries in your life that you say this far and no further with communication that clarifies and comforts, but also encourages, but it brings clarity. So if I have a fence, and I I don't have one today, but if I had, like, if this was my fence post, okay, and I said, "That's that's the point you stop, okay? So, for example... If somebody comes to my house and, and hangs out and then starts ripping on my kids, that is the point you will be asked to leave from my house. Do you want to know why? Because my kids are a boundary. You don't get to go there. I've had some people who went there. And that relationship will never be the same. And it's not because I don't forgive them. You cross this boundary. Now, here's the interesting thing. I don't argue and yell about a boundary. I just put it up. You ever see anybody going up to a fence and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you here? And if you do, call help. (laughs) Okay, nobody argues with a boundary. When you set up godly, healthy boundaries in your life with people, you don't argue with them over it. You just put them up. Godly, healthy boundaries, not ones that say, I never sacrifice, I'm never generous, I never forgive. That's not a boundary, okay? That's a hard heart. Okay, a boundary says, if you're going to come and insult me or my kids or my husband or my wife or whatever, okay, I love you, you don't get to say that, we'll continue this conversation later. See, you're not, I'm not yelling, I'm not cussing them out, I'm, not, I'm just saying, no more. You've hit the boundary, and we're not going any further. Now, we'll talk again if you can talk civilly and kindly. Now, the tough thing is some of us have family members. They have no concept of a boundary. That's tough, isn't it? Okay? But if you, you put up a wall, okay? That's pretty good. All right. If you do that, you put up a wall in your life, a boundary, and say, you don't argue over it. It's just there. This is how far we come, and we go no further. But we do it in a godly sense. So, for example, if I have to say, if somebody's like, you know, great aunt Edna wants you to come over for Easter morning. I'm a pastor. I don't have a great aunt Edna, but I'm a pastor I'm going to be in church on Easter morning, but they want you to come over. It's never going to happen. Because the Lord's going to come first and my family on those days. Every time. And as the older you get, the more your family has to come first. I have cousins. I love them. I don't see them very much. But that's because I have my own kids, and I have a brother, and, 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 and like that's just how life seems to happen. Anybody here well into their 40s who are like, man, I hang out with my cousin like every week still. And like, good for you if you do. Like some people do get that dynamic. That's great. Most don't though. Most don't. We, we, life moves us into different seasons. And now we have to be over our Jerusalem. We have to minister where God placed us first and best. So that's going to be my wife, my kids, my parents. Then maybe my brother, my brother's. If they want me to, and my church, and my church probably comes before my extended family. 
Why? Because this is God's family. This family is often first, not in a cultish way, but in a godly sense. You're my brothers and sisters now. Yeah, I'm going to place this first in a lot of ways. But it's awesome because great, great things come from it. Set a boundary with your words. What are things we just don't say? When you're newly married, you have no clue what that concept is. You don't. If you put these things into practice just this Thanksgiving, you will probably have the best Thanksgiving ever. So I have family members you can't talk about politics with. You know, that's fine. I don't need to. Now, it's tough. Politics has basically decided to eject itself into everything. So it's hard to talk about much without politics being injected into some of it. But we're going to do our best. What I am going to do is try and talk about Jesus and what God's doing and my kids and what God's doing in them. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about what God's doing. If you can't talk, if you can't figure out what to talk about, talk about Jesus. Point to him with your life. He's so good. Keep the bonds. Don't burn the bridges. It's never worth, it's almost, now there is somebody, recently in the last couple years, nobody in here knows who this person is, but there's somebody I had to draw a boundary with in my life, but I've known this person for 30 years since I was a kid, and I watched this person walk away from Jesus, walk away from faith, mock the church, the Bible, and Christians online, and then continue to call themselves a Christian. And on top of that, consistently condescend to me, talk down to me, and never return my call for years on end. So I set up a boundary. I said, all right, I'm, I'm going to move on. That was a moment that it was like, all this person does is drain from my life, and they receive nothing from me. But it's been 30 years, okay? Now, I didn't say I'll never speak with you again. I didn't say that. What it said is, look, you, you've gone this way. I believe the Bible. You've gone, you're doing, and that's okay. I still love you. And I, I said that to them, but I'm not. And they were furious, furious. And I'm like, why are you upset? I haven't talked to you for like two or three years. And I love you. Furious. And, and said things about me that weren't true. And you know what? But I still love them. I still forgive them. And still, but I can also say a boundary and say, you know what? This is only causing pain, and it's obviously painful to you too. So why don't we? And I'm just going to leave them back up to the Lord because I'm not making an impact. We are going to find times there are some people we don't make an impact on. But you don't find that out in a day or a week or a month. You don't find out out after a bad fight. There are some times we got to pull back, too. Jacob, in this sense, he did not cut off Esau. He also said, I'm not going to live with you. See that? He went to another city. He said, I can't, I don't think we should live together. Because I know you, and I know me, and I want to stay in a relationship with you that we just got into. Some of us, we can't live together. Some of you shouldn't live right next door to your parents, even though they're like, it's such a great deal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like some of you shouldn't though, because even though you love them and they love you, you may not in six months, right? 
It's how many of you went to college and lived with your best friend? And then for a while, that's happened to me. They weren't my best friend for a little while after that. Now they are again, okay? Came back around, thank God. Didn't burn the bridge, neither did they. Restore, it's all good. Look back like I was selfish a lot. I was stupid. Forgive me, and they did, and vice versa. And that's the beautiful thing. Forgiveness is one way. It's it's you to that person, between the Lord and you and that person. Restoration is two ways. That's them coming back to you as well. That's harder because it takes two willing parties. You can't control that. You can offer it. You cannot control it. And if they don't want it, there is nothing you can do. Except keep your heart open, forgive them, and keep a godly boundary. The biggest and best way, there's a great book on boundaries, and we're about to wrap it up. But the biggest and best way to set boundaries in your life, if you want to know, like, how do I set godly boundaries? The only person that gets control of your life is Jesus and kind of your spouse. (laughs) You do surrender your life to them, too. You, You serve them forever. So Jesus and your spouse. Your spouse isn't God. And what if you did that? What if we did that? So I have this song that I wanted to sing about just the goodness of this time of year and family. This family is so good. It's such a blessing. You guys can come on up. I don't normally do this. This is not like a thing. It's not going to become a thing. But it ministered to me. I kind of wanted to minister to you, and then we're going to close with communion. I want you to hear this. I hope it blesses you. Um, and, and, And just the idea that God, I want my life right with family. And I want my family to look like you. I want to see your presence in my household. I want to see you moving in my kid's life, and my family's life. And when you do, man, it is so good. I watch, man, I know, Howie and Gene, like, you got an amazing family. You've got amazing kids. And their kids all have amazing spouses, all of them. And I also know their family's not perfect. I know that. I know a chunk of the flaws. But you're still great. And that's what's so cool. You see what I mean? Don't go into Thanksgiving looking for the perfect Thanksgiving. You'll never get it. Looking for a godly one where you enjoy one another. You lift up the name of Jesus. You bless one another and you encounter his presence. Go ahead, Nate. Familiar highways Lined with leaves turn brown Making my way Back into my hometown Funny how the song looks different But it feels the same Like our life never stops changing But some things never change So fill your plate and fill your drink Fill this house with family The kind of love that all these years can't wash away Cause the older that I get I see Life is short and bittersweet Thank God for this Thanksgiving day
Watching football, watching families grow. The old kids' table all have kids of their own. Starting to see my grandfather in my Nathan's eyes. I still can't talk about him and I'd almost cry. So fill your plate and fill your drink. Fill this house with family. Kind of love a thousand smiles can't wash away. Cause the older that I get, I see life is short and bittersweet. Thank God for this Thanksgiving. your dishes in the kitchen sink let the leftover years just wash away cause we made it through I do believe the longest two years in history thank God that it's Thanksgiving day <laughs>